You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we're buzzing into episode uh, 119. Woo! And uh, before we conquer our script of plant facts, native plant news, listener questions, uh, book reviews, and not-so-occasional nonsensical rambles, <laughs> uh, we should probably do some follow-up. But first, Fran, I wanted to tell you, I guess this isn't really follow-up, other than that we've talked about beavers on the podcast before, and there's a new beaver show on netflix talking about how important beavers are and i gotta tell you it's the best damn documentary i've ever seen <laughs> you get it dam- like damn damn is in what beavers build uh-uh. i think you're really struggling over there first you struggle to count and then, then you struggle to hit the button <laughs> but <laughs> Aside from the really bad dad jokes, uh, we do have some follow up to, to get into, and uh, the first one is today is wait, when we said wait, wait be, be, you really got me because I I didn't realize you were <laughs> heading into a joke, and I was like oh I I just canceled my Netflix subscription I can't I can't watch, <laughs> and then yeah. like when I realized it was a joke I was like oh. You, yeah. you got me. No, it's not. It's not necessarily a, a plant joke, but it is an ecology joke. It Beavers is an are ecology. very important. They're considered a keystone species in many yes. many places because they alter the landscape in so many ways and create landscapes for some things and, and habit or destroy habitat for others. So, um, very important species in North yes. America. Yes, but uh, but like I was just saying, we said today and we're being held accountable by our listeners to announce a winner today they reminded us many times this is when we said we would do it yes so this is what we're doing for the the flat of 50 pollinator plants all right um so i'm gonna i have a random number number generator and unfortunately there is no fun music that goes along with it. it is literally just picking a number between one and 70 that's how many written five star reviews we have so i'm gonna hit the button Right. And uh, and it immediately gives me a number when I do it. There's right. no buildup at all. <laughs> so I'm going to hit it right now. Okay. And the number is 66. All right. So while you're looking up who is number 66 as far as uh, as these these reviews go, I'm going to talk about some of the other stuff we had, which was one, on. we have our job opportunity. I, I already have Oh, an you answer. already found it? Okay. I already have an answer. Announce the or winner. Do you you want to build that up? We'll talk about this and we'll, we'll go back. Yeah, we'll talk about All this right. and then you can announce the winner when we're done with uh, the, the follow-up here. All right. And um, the one is that we've talked about the job opportunity. We're hiring an assistant propagator here at Pylons Nursery. Uh, the job's been live on Indeed for about two weeks now. I added it to Facebook uh, recently. I so saw that. You yeah. can find it on there. If you're interested, you know someone who, who is involved in a nursery trade and wants to work more with native plants or um, or is already a really good propagator and, and wants to, to work at a bigger nursery or something like that, send them our way. We'd love to, to at least look at all these applications. Um, we've had a few good ones so far, and we're hoping to see a whole bunch. Uh, there's, I think we're waiting until like the middle of September um, to, to make a firm decision because that's when our uh, our seed collection season really yeah. starts to pick up and, again. So. And I really think this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I don't know when this is going to pop yeah, back I up ever again. I don't know the last person we've hired for this job. It's been 
that a while. One. Yes. So yeah. Um, we also have our live show coming up. Yeah, you know, I know I keep saying it, but I'm really excited about this. You yeah. know, the one thing you and I entertain each other. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's pretty easy to do, but <laughs> but. You know, and we love hearing the interaction of our fans, but mm-hmm. typically we have to wait sometimes a week to two weeks for the episode to come out, see the feedback, and then we we respond to comments yeah. in the Facebook group. But I want that immediate reaction. Yeah. Whether I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Yeah, it's I. It's I'm assuming be interesting it, seeing the immediate reaction. Um, probably the thing I'm most worried about is I'm going to like accidentally say something that is just really stupid in front of all of. A crowd of at least five people. I'm going to, <laughs> including us. And um, I am going to say something stupid. And we don't have the luxury of uh, of editing out for for those folks, which we really don't do. And we don't. We haven't. We've said some dumb stuff here. Don't get me wrong, but we haven't said something that's like, oh wow, that maybe was uh, like really offensive or or just really just all around bad, and we shouldn't have said it. Um, I don't, I don't think, think we've ever had that happen. We uh, there was one time where we, I said something. I'm like, I looked it up after because I'm like, I think this is true, but I don't know. And then I looked it up. And I'm like, oh no, it wasn't true. Fran, uh, pull that out because that was. I don't want people to take what I'm saying and then. All right, I'm, and I'm right. With full so. disclosure, there was one joke. Actually, there were two jokes that I've made. One got removed before the podcast aired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one. Maybe 50 people had downloaded it, and we had already gotten a comment back that someone was unhappy with the joke that I made. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of taken out of context. It, it and wasn't and, the intention, but we could completely understand, understand when they brought it to our yeah. attention that how it was, so we it decided, was more offensive than we had intended. Yeah, so we so, decided yeah. so that we didn't run into that conflict again. They removed it. So maybe 50, 70 people heard it. And that was it. So there were there was that, but there's no. Well, that's, there's editing. We're recording, but you, it's going to be live. That's why you should show up to the live show because we may say something that permanently destroys our careers. You know, although I, I don't think we will. <laughs> you know, why don't we do this? Let's fully embrace that concept, and why don't we have a stupid comment counter that someone can flip <laughs> yeah, every yeah. time we do something. <laughs> yeah, that we're going to regret the next set. Yeah, and so. <laughs> see what the fine. And we can take we can take and uh, make it a contest and see. Guess what? Guess what number it's going to be. So, um, and that live show. Just as a reminder, you've heard about it on past episodes. It's going to be at James Braddock Park in North Bergen, New Jersey, at the Nature's Park Cafe, starting at two p.m. Prior to that, there's going to be a, a native plant sale that I'm taking part in, and yeah. so is Randy Eckel, who is our guest. Uh, in addition to being the the native plant. Uh, Society of New Jersey's president is going to be our guest for the day talking about her uh, come up into the native plant world and then what the Native Plant Society does for, for folks yeah. as well. Um, we already – Randy's already joined us as part of a rooted discussion, but we never really – we got to talk about certain obstacles, but we never really got to talk about her history with with how this occurred. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to because I really look up to – to Dr. Eckel, I'm really looking yeah, forward to. Yeah, and I know to... she's been been requested quite a bit, yeah. especially by uh, by Rob Meters. He he really wants to hear us talk about the Randy Eckel, and it's going to yeah. happen. And we have listen, Rob. Rob you got to Rob. Be there. If you yes. are not there, I will be so disappointed. You got to be there. Um, some other follow up is we just uh, did a, a presentation for Bowman's Hill last week. And uh, which I felt I thought went, it went really well. I thought that went very well. You know, this was a a new talk uh, that. Tom and I 
unveiled at this one. So it's always a little nerve-wracking when it's the first time you've done a talk. Like we've done run-throughs, but uh, this one uh, was titled Lessons Learned, and we kind of made it like an inspiration-a-day calendar where we, we took one quote from many of our guests um, and kind of made a story. And it made it like inspirational things to just keep you motivated in your quest towards native plant material and just some like small lessons. Like we all think of the big pictures and the big players in the game, but there were so many great guests with so many small pieces of wisdom that we just wanted to share with everyone. And I felt as if it went pretty well. At least I think it Oh, did. yeah, yeah. So did I. Um, and then the last little piece of – And we'll be doing that oh, again. Yeah, we have another one come up for the – Sourland Conservancy. So it's Thursday? September 22nd. 22nd at the yeah. Hopewell train station. Mm-hmm. And we'll be doing that one for a first time. Our, we'll be doing a talk in front of a live audience. Yeah. So, so we got a lot of new stuff coming up. Yeah, a lot of definitely, firsts. Definitely. Then the the last bit of follow up is um is more of a. I think I'm going to make this a poll in the Facebook group to okay. see if it's something we should talk about or not. Uh, in our last Buzz episode, the the this or not this or that question, the uh, the take it or leave it question mm-hmm. was. What was it, friend? Because I don't it was uh, wind energy, wind, wind, wind energy, farms, that's right, or with the wind farms. It, it was wind farms off the coast of New the Jersey. Coast, yeah, and uh, so we talked about that a little bit. Uh, we got into nuclear energy a little bit. Um, had a really cool conversation with our friends Bill Young and Blaine Rothhauser last night. I, I did at least um, when we had a little moth night over at our seed farm, and they were talking about nuclear energy. And I think they both agreed that it was something that. We really should look into. Um, and Russ, Russ gave weighed us, in, but I don't remember exactly. What I was just looking on he Facebook gave us trying people, to figure out. He gave us people that we should talk to. And the one guy he, he recommended when I said, "Oh yeah, there's a guy on LinkedIn who I know who talks about this a lot that I'm connected with." He's the guy Russ okay. recommended. So now, I'm, Russ didn't really weigh in on how he felt about it. Yeah, I think he just gave us people to talk to. Yeah, well, I we'll want to know what Russ thinks. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of well, asked what Russ thought. He didn't weigh in. No. And this is where I wanted to make it a poll, yeah. is our name of our podcast is Native Plants Healthy Planet. We try and incorporate how, at least how the native plants are impacting the planet in through different projects or, or through uh, cultural stuff. And this one is a little bit further away from that topic of native plants. That That is... We don't might not be always discussing native plants, but that's the core of yeah. what we're trying to do. We might not be discussing the specifics of the plants, but how, as a general thing, they're impacting the environment. Um, when you're talking about wind farms and nuclear energy, you aren't talking about that's in no. the same realm of environmentalism, but it's not directly tied to the plants. So I want to put up as a poll in our Facebook group and see we have the context to talk about this. Um, but yeah, I want to put up a poll in the Facebook group and say, is this something our listeners actually want to hear or is it something they, they say, yeah, stick, stick to the plant stuff and, and, uh, ecology and, and plant focused stuff. So that's, uh, my plan All right. is to put up as a poll. And so the choice is yours. You're going to be able to vote and see, is this something we should talk about? Is it something we're not maybe in, I like that idea. There's something else we're going to launch at some point. It could always be. One of our our secret tapes episodes that uh, <laughs> the first one we recorded last night. So awesome! Um, it might be a, a shorter discussion in that format, like well. a bonus episode. Yep. Sure, yeah, like a bonus episode type. Yeah. thing. So. I don't know. I, we've gotten you know I'm I'm kind of torn because we're a native plant nursery. We mm-hmm. talk a lot of what we talk about deals with native plants, 
Native Plants is in the name of our podcast, but I really feel it's evolved to more of an ecological, environmental podcast mm-hmm. with a, with a focus on native plants. Yeah. Or like yeah. like you said, it's at the core. I kind of feel like we veered off. Yeah, like I think we veered and, out. And like I don't think we've ever veered that far. That far, you're probably right. So yeah. that's why I want to make sure I want to do what is our listeners are, are expecting us to yeah. do. If it's something they're interested in. Hey, yeah, we'll go there. If it's not something interesting, then we're going to steer clear from it. And if you want to vote, you have to be a member of the Facebook group. Yep. So be be part of the community with us. Yeah. So uh, with that, why don't we get into our first segment? That's hot. How about a winner? Oh yeah, we have a winner. <laughs> I have my whole itemized list, and it was at the it beginning. And <laughs> all right, so I'm looking at it, and I'm like. Has this person won a contest before? I don't believe so. It's just an older, okay. obviously. Well, let me ask say, you I this. this. I have this board you can write it down I on. have a question for mm-hmm. you before I did this. I started at the top and, and counted down 66, but that's really not the right order. I should probably start at the bottom and count up. Or if there's 70, you count four from the. I count it four from the bottom. Should it be four from the top or four from the bottom? I would have gone four from the. Four from the bottom. And that's what I did. Or excuse me, I would have gone four from the top. top. All right, so I'm glad I didn't say who it isn't. All right, so hold on. That changes my answer then. So it's... And it was 66? 66. So it's uh, GD Sports 98. So it's Quentin. Yeah. Nice. Quentin, and uh, yeah, the funny thing is, it's a newer one, so you're going to talk about Quentin's review. I am, yeah. On it was on today's literally podcast. in the last uh, last two weeks we got this review. So, and Quentin is uh, he works at the Native Plant Tree Nursery in Northeast Massachusetts. So, uh, bleh, congratulations! And the nice thing is, you're in our region, mm-hmm. so you have just won a flat of fifty different native two inch herbaceous plugs. Yeah. Can you so, can you can you tell me who the person who almost won and didn't win was? Cotton Clem. Do you want to send them one too? Yes. Okay. I Two think winners. that's fair. I think that that's was, fair too. Since we did not make that clear in the the rules and regulations of this contest when we started, which way we were counting from, yes. I think we'll do sixty six going either direction. So we have Cotton Clem and, uh, and GD Sports ninety eight. So, uh-huh. but in order to get your product, you have to reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at info at nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Yep, that's right. And make sure you identify yourself as a name, give us your name and address, mm-hmm. um, and we will mail it out within the next week to two weeks. Yep. But I will personally select the 50, handpick the 50 plants that, that we sent. Yep. So awesome. So you'll get one flat. Perfect. Congratulations. That was a good contest. A lot of yeah. people were really oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. invested and interested. So hopefully uh, – you're you're happy with the plants that you get. Cool. Awesome. That's hot. That's hot. I can oh. get rid of this little reminder to, <laughs> to talk about this beaver joke. <laughs> I literally I so last night I got back from our moth night and uh and laid down in bed and then I'm like, it's one o'clock in the morning and I now I can't fall asleep. So uh I was just reading Twitter and I have this account and it's just I think it's just called like dad jokes or something like that. And that was the joke. I'm like, ooh, I got to use this for on Fran tomorrow on when we record the podcast. So I put it up as a reminder so I didn't oh, fall asleep funny. and forget. So yeah. All right, you know what? 
Would you like to go first? I'll or go you... first. All right. Because yeah, uh, you know what? I'm actually going to veer away from the plan I put and just ad lib one. Okay. Based on so, I'm, and it came about yesterday, so you weren't in the office, mm-hmm. so you you'll find out one yeah. when we get to me. Yeah. So my plan, and I I honestly I think I've chosen this plant for the exact same reason I'm going to talk about today. Okay. And that's Allegheny monkey flower uh, blooming nice choice in the wet meadow behind our seed farm right now. Um, really. Cool looking flower. Um, it's like a well, Jersey Friendly Yards writes it best. Says small lavender colored fla- uh, colored flowers bloom throughout the summer, offering a consistent nectar source for bees. The flowers are thought to resemble the face of a monkey. I hadn't looked that close to think that. That it kind of makes sense. It's a, have you ever seen that meme of like the bird of paradise? Yes. Flower. And it's like oh, I realized that I've been looking at this. Story. It's not looking <laughs> like this goofy bird. It actually <laughs> looks like a bird flying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've looked at it monkey flower flower and you know, said oh that looks funny, like a face of monkey the funny thing is it's something that i've had on my property mm-hmm. and i've never really noticed yeah. so continuing what jersey friendly yard said is uh this wetland perennial prefers constantly moist rich soils and has little tolerance for drought it offers some deer resistance and would make a nice addition to a pond or stream edge wet meadow or rain garden with consistent moisture I see it in the wet meadow behind that our farm all the time um, where the ground is consistently wet. There's high deer pressure there, and it has persisted. So I would say that is probably somewhat deer-resistant with the amount of deer we have you, you per know, square mile. Where I so. had it, there there was deer pressure and not a lot of food for deer to eat, and mm-hmm. it never got browsed. Yeah. So. so, yeah, so I would think that's pretty true. And it's just, uh, it's one of those plants, and it's not uncommon. It's just, you don't see, in my my experience, I don't see, like, huge swaths of it. Like, uh, I'll go to that same place, and you'll see, Eupatorium, right now, I'm seeing Eupatorium, I'm seeing some swamp milkweed, I'm seeing, uh, uh, what's it, Blue Vervain yeah. and New York Ironweed, all in this. So if you're if you're thinking about adding plants and you have some of those plants already, this is a plant that goes along well with it. But I'll come across like a small patch of this where I would come across like I'll see tons of those from yeah. a distance. I'll see them way off in just a ton of purple loosestrife too. Yeah. Um, not a good one there. That's an invasive plant. But, yeah, it's just a cool plant. I'm thinking now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could have chose that spirea I found too. Oh, but that was yeah. kind of yeah. – there's like th- a handful of flowers blooming. It's mostly in seed. I think, you know, for me it's not something I think about all the time because it's not as native here. It's more like you, you go out a little bit more into PA, and it's a little you yep. find it a little more often. So it's a little more rare um, here, but it's it's a great plant. I love it, and that's why I incorporated it yeah. into my property. Um, I was originally going to do purple lovegrass because mm-hmm. I've recently fallen in love with it, especially after seeing it in, in Man, our seed fields. That's not a good thing to say as a recently married man. That's, <laughs> can't be think, lusting after other things so quickly. That, uh, but it caught my eye. I, I can't help myself. <laughs> um, so, and I and I wanted to make that my my choice. And we can we can make this my next buzz choice. Yeah. But what kind of stole its thunder was a conversation we had in the office yesterday. And it's not something that we've ever really. It's a native plant, but a lot of people don't see some of the benefits, or mm-hmm. or it's a little more aggressive. So it's going to be Typha latifolia, which mm-hmm. is broadleaf cattail. And it can be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I don't want to say invasive because it is native, but it can take over certain areas if it's and choke out other native plant material in the right conditions. But I, I thought about something from my childhood and didn't know if it was 
if there was any merit to it. Mm-hmm. So as a kid growing up in, in PA, but only like 10 or 15 minutes from mm-hmm. the Jersey border, um, occasionally people would bring home the stalks. Yeah. And we called them punks. Yeah. And we would burn them to keep the mosquitoes away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I remember doing that, but does it actually really keep the mosquitoes away or was that just folklore? Mm. And I was I looked at it and apparently it's a New Jersey thing. And I guess because we were so close to New Jersey yeah. it but that's a New Jersey thing and they are called punks. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But uh you would light the end on fire and it burns very slowly and it apparently keeps you know, there's some merit to it. Yeah. I don't know how well, but it will keep mosquitoes away. So there's a whole new use of cattail yeah. if you hadn't thought about it or if you're in an uh, area of the country. I just – it's funny because I hadn't done that since I was probably like 9 or 10 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it – you know, cattail, if you don't know, can take I think up to 12 inches of permanent inundation, can take dry areas very well. It has phytoremediation properties uh, where we've seen it used in like wastewater treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's – it's uh, not everyone loves that plant. Yeah, but it just yeah. kind of brought back. You're smiling. Oh, yeah. No, I'm got? just I'm remembering a, a funny story, and I'm like, should I tell it now or should I save it for the secret? It's your turn for <laughs> I, secret. I don't have um, a secret. I'll save it for the secret then. It's All a right. cattail related story. All uh, right. I got to remember it. Um, hold on while I write a couple notes here. <laughs> uh, what I will say about cattails in the meantime is they're they're edible too. And uh, I've taken – you can't do it now. It's, it's a little too late. But you can take the young heads mm-hmm. when they're still green. So you want them to be probably like – they won't be quite as thick as like a Sharpie marker, but they're yeah. thicker than like a pencil. Yeah. Um, and they're still green. Like they're, they're not turning brown yeah. yet. You can take them and like you'll just kind of roast them on the grill okay. with a little – and then put like a little bit of butter on them Ooh. and eat it like an ear of corn. Oh, okay. And – I, the one I had, it wouldn't say it was remarkably flavorful, yeah, but it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was definitely edible. It was, I think I picked it a little bit early, so it didn't come off the the stalk as easily, like the the seeds didn't come off the stalk mm-hmm. as easily as you'd want. But um, and it was a little, it was kind of a lot of work for a little thing. <laughs> but yeah. but I think if you waited till like the perfect time, it'd probably okay. be really good. Um, we'll and just have, have a that. unique flavor. It's it's fairly mild. Okay. And then I just saw another recipe the other day that used uh, shaved. Cattail tubers, really, in a, in a salad. I'm like, ooh, that's that's well, pretty interesting. I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because it sparked two things. And and please correct me so I'm saying it correctly. I know you know the right way. It this dates back of burning the cattails for mosquitoes mm-hmm. to the Lenape in it. It's Lenape, yeah. right? The Lenny Lenape Indians taught the colonists, yeah, when they came to do that. And one of the other Lenape uses for that plant is if you take the stalk off all the way from the bottom. Inside the stalk in the bottom, there's like a gel packet, and if you squeeze the the gel out of the packet, mm-hmm. that's what they used as a band aid. So you can take that yeah. you can take that like gooey gel on the inside yeah. of the packet and coat a uh, a cut with it, and it will it will seal the cut and help heal the cut. Kind of like putting Vaseline on a cut, very similar. So it had multiple uses, and I just thought that it wasn't just someone burning something to be crazy. You know, but it, it dated back to to uh, Native American Indian. Uses, yeah, yeah. So. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, and for Fran, when we get to the secret part, yes, just remind me that when we because I'm going to forget that I have this written down here. All right, remind me that I wrote down what the secret is. I put a box around it, and I have multiple arrows pointing at it <laughs> that say 
today's secret <laughs> just because I'm going to be like looking at you. I'm not going to be looking at the paper. All right. There. Well, I'm writing a, the word box surrounded by a box <laughs> and arrows pointing to it to remind me. Yeah. So I two great choices. I don't think you can go wrong. I'll save uh, both purple love grass. And they're for, both like somewhat similar conditions. It's I yeah. guess in that same wet meadow, you'll see the cattails when it, the water gets a little bit deeper or, yes. than this. This is... I'll see seasonal flooding with the mimulus, but I won't see it in constant water. But when I say seasonal flooding, it'll be like a couple months. It'll be in like an inch or two of water. Yeah, um, where the cattails will be maybe six inches. Or yeah, a little more. I, and and please forgive me. I can't remember if cattails are six inches of permanent inundation or twelve mm-hmm. inches, but they they can take decent water, and that's why you see them a lot in retention basins. The only problem is it really creates a monoculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But what I've noticed from them is you'll see red-winged blackbirds kind of perched on them or dragonflies perched on them. So it's yeah. I don't know the the food cycle benefits of it. Like yeah. I don't know the lepidopter it hosts because I wasn't prepared. I just kind of threw this mm-hmm. out last minute. Yeah. But the, Even going back to that mimulus is uh, there's a whole patch where the water gets – like where it's a little bit lower – uh, right now it's dry, but typically there's a little bit more standing water and I wouldn't say permanent inundation, but yeah, it's almost permanent. And there's, uh, I thought it was a whole bunch of cattails there one time and I was walking around, walking through it and I'm like, man, these cattails smell like really kind of good. I didn't know cattails had this kind of smell. And then it like clicked, I'm like, oh, sweet it's flag. probably sweet flag and not cattails. <laughs> this is when I wasn't as much of a, not that I'm much of a botanist now, but I was even less of a botanist mm-hmm. then. So, yeah. Awesome. Two great choices. So uh, if you have wet areas, uh, you might want to consider mm-hmm. one or both of these for your property. Yeah. So uh, you want to get into this or that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we do have a winner from the last one, which was um, – oh, I never updated it, yeah, what it they were. It was not about – It wasn't Dodger Stadium, Stadium in Martha's one. Vineyard. It Mine was, was about the, the uh, North American Grasslands Rest – Restoration Act, I yeah, think is and, what it was called. And mine was the Phragmites Phytoremediation in Australia. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and there was a clear winner on this one, and the winner is? Tom, but you, you blew me away. It was 11 to 4 last time I checked, yes, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it, it you, you piled onto that, but you're the winner of this, this episode, and you get to pick if you want to go first or yeah, go last. I will go first, and I'm all hoping right. that all of uh, all my 11 constituents here – Contacted their 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 <laughs> congressmen and women or women and uh, and told them that support this because it's really really important legislation um, that North American Grasslands Recovery Act it works for wetlands it's going to work for grasslands too. So, I I just got a glimpse of what your article is. Oh yeah, and it's I, making me. I, I how can I not laugh? I am I am already saying I'm going to lose this week. <laughs> I you don't and, know that, but it's very it's. The article is basically about the outcry of uh, of people really upset with this researcher when they publish this article, and um, I guess I just better get into it and take take my licks. <laughs> it's the title of the article uh, was Polish Institute classifies cats as an alien invasion invasive species. Uh, it was by Vanessa Guerra, and it was published in the AP News uh, back at the end of July. Tell us how you feel about wild cats. Oh my god, I've, I've, <laughs> no, that I was know. one of my secrets I, one time. I think it was. It's um, yeah. So I'll read the article, and then I will uh, try and keep my my personal opinion uh, <laughs> reserved and pleasant. <laughs> but, um, and that yeah, talk about offensive things you can say. That's probably where it would happen is when it comes to feral cats. 
But yeah. I'm going to get in the article, and then I'll, I'll touch on my personal opinions a little bit at the end. So, a, uh, a respected Polish scientific institute has classified domestic cats as an invasive alien species, citing damage they cause to birds and other wildlife. Some cat lovers have reacted emotionally to this month's decision and put the key scientists behind it on the defensive. Uh, Wojcik Solars, a biologist at the state-run Polish Academy of Science, Sciences, wasn't prepared for the disproving public response when he entered uh, Felis Catus, which is, a, a, yeah, I guess, the, that would... not the botanical name, but the, yeah. <laughs> the scientific name for, for cats. I didn't know that. I didn't know um, that either. Uh, oh, yeah, it says right there, the scientific name for the common house cat, okay. into the national database run by the Academy's Institute of Nature Conservation. The database already had uh, 1,786 other species listed with no objections. Solars told the Associated Press on Tuesday the uproar over invasive alien species number 1787, he said, may have resulted from some media reports that created the false impression this his institute was calling for feral and other cats to be euthanized. Solars described the growing scientific consensus that domestic cats have a harmful impact on biodiversity, given the number of birds and mammals they hunt and kill. Uh, the criteria for including the cat among alien invasive species are 100% met by the cat, he said. Solars pushed back, arguing the cats kill about 140 million birds in Poland each year. That's not across the world. That's wow. in Poland. Um, Earlier this month, the Polish Academy Institute published a post on its website citing the controversy and seeking to clarify its position. The Institute stressed that it was opposed to any cruelty towards animals. It also argued that its classification was in line with European Union guidelines as far as categorizing cats as alien. The Institute noted that Felis Catus was domesticated probably around 10,000 years ago in the cradle of great civilizations in the ancient Middle East, making the species alien to Europe and uh, also the United States in our, our case. From strictly scientific point of view, the Institute also stressed that all it was rec- recommending was for the cat owners to limit the time their pets spend outdoors during bird breeding season. Um, Stolar said, I have a dog, but I don't have anything against cats. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, I've, I've voiced my thoughts on, on specifically feral cats, but even domestic cats yeah. um, as well. But if you really look at the number one killer of our birds... In the, and this is in the United States. Um, it is like far and away cats. And not that's just cats overall. Uh, and we talk about protecting birds. Friend, you had a really great article about how in Philadelphia they're going to turn the yeah. lights out at night because you have birds running in the windows. I think the amount of birds cats kill to compare to the birds that die from running in the windows is like 10 to 1. Wow. It might even be more than that. Wow. It's If you want to really save birds, don't let your cat outside and... Um, and then when it comes to feral cats, it's what are your your options? Um, some other complications with cats too is their feces will actually contain um, cont- I can't remember the poison, but it'll actually it can make you really sick. So I know there was a, a case of I heard where uh, I think it was in Hawaii where a guy ate um, some goat meat that and somehow the goat had come in contact with feral cat feces and contracted this, I guess it's a bacteria. And then he got like really, really sick, like in the emergency room, high fever, like super sick. Wasn't sure if he might make it. And he's a healthy young guy who's hiking the mountains and and hunting and, and living off the land. And he's in that kind of position. Um, But they don't know how to classify how big of an impact that has on other wildlife. Because you have a feral cat, it's that's true. 
pooping well, all over the woods and you have mice and you have well, other mammals and they're, they're coming in contact with that stuff. I actually have so. an interesting follow-up to a conversation we had about um, it, it, I know it was this or that. I was talking about the, the problem that we've contracted in our backyard with moles and voles and you know just to let nature take its course or to treat if it becomes a big issue. Mm. Well, we now have a resident uh, – Stray cat in our mm-hmm. backyard that literally yeah. hangs out and just does nothing but hunt voles yeah. and moles. Yeah. Like it's, it's I guess kind some of, of it is they they hunt for I don't want to say for sport, but they don't always just kill to to eat things. And if you have mm-hmm. a pet cat, I remember when we had pet cats growing up, they'd kill a mouse and bring it back and put it on. And you say, oh, you killed the mouse, but then that's the one that you saw that they brought back, and they didn't. They never ate it. They just left yeah. it there. And um, I'm ju- I just pulled up another website, and it was uh. It says that cats have contributed the extinction extinction of sixty three bird species or species of mammals, birds, and reptiles in the wild. Um, and what was it? Outdoor cats kill approximately two point four billion birds every year in the United States alone. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's just they're predators. They aren't native here. Um, like they said, they originated. They were wild in the, the Middle East. Ten thousand years ago, before they got domesticated, and uh, so if you do have cats, I'm not, I'm not against cats. Like I had cats growing up, I we'd probably have a cat now. My wife would love to have a cat if she wasn't so allergic. Um, but it's just an understanding of the impact. Yeah, of the you need to understand yeah. the impact, and it's fine to have it as a pet inside, in my opinion. But you shouldn't be letting it outside and and wreaking havoc on the ecology. We have enough feral cats that are doing that, and then you have your house cats that are they're going to do that as well. So. Yeah, Interesting article. Uh, Interesting. I know. Article. Yeah, I know. Not everyone's going to agree with it, and it's it's more of an ecology article, not a native plant article. But it's something I saw this, and I have I had a conversation a couple of days ago that we were talking about this too, um, in relation to. Well, it was actually we were talking about the Bob White Quail Project we're yeah. working on at the back of our farm, and the person said, "Do you have feral cats around here?" And then, <laughs> then I was like, "Yeah, we have a handful, not a lot, but a handful." And he's like, "It'll never work." They're, they're just going to eat every single bird you put out here. And not even eat. They're just going to kill them. Wow. And um, so he's like, you have to do something about the cats if you want the quail part to work. So, yeah, it's um, it's a hard balance. Yeah. Good article, though. Good article. I chose my article this week. It was – I kind of feel like I'm going to the – well. like you know how we always joke about using uh, Margaret Roach articles from yeah. the <laughs> yeah. from uh, the New York Times mm-hmm. – it was just nice for me to see a native plant article in another another big newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Washington Post <clears throat> has been really friendly to native plants too. Yeah, so this was a, actually a huge article. What I have pasted here mm-hmm. is literally one-tenth of the article. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean I, I had copied and pasted the article here, and it took <laughs> – it, it, it was like 15 pages. Yeah. So I, I, I selected the first – two pages that I'm going to read just to give you a good summary of it. A lot of after what I read is they, they give lists of plants mm-hmm. that are good. Yeah, like they cool. do, hey, here's 10 perennials. Here's 10 shrubs. They, they really break it down to helping someone if they're just getting started uh, with li- some primer lists. So uh, the name of this article is The Rise and Beauty of the Native Plant by Chris Moody, and this appeared in the Washington Post I think a week ago. Um, one late summer day, a monarch butterfly crawled from its chrysalis in a suburban Maryland garden, stretched open two orange wings to dry in the sun, and took flight. It 
It tarried in the garden for a while, uh, stopping to bask in the sunlight and slurp nectar from a row of inviting milkweed. Soon it was gone, joining millions of other monarchs in a long, perilous migration southward. Thrust down the Atlantic coast by warm air currents, the voyaging monarchs sought plants along the way for nourishment and rest, including nectar-producing perennials such as smooth blue asters or seaside goldenrods. With little refuge to be found among the stretches of seemingly endless suburban grass lawns and paved roads, many died. Survivors pressed on, fluttering over the deep south and into Texas. By winter, they reached the cool Oyamal fir forests of central Mexico, an incredible transitional journey for a creature the size of a credit card. The monarch's sojourn began in the front yard of Janet and Jeff Crouch in the Beach Creek neighborhood of Columbia, Maryland, a tidy planned community between Washington and Baltimore. It wasn't an accident that the butterfly began its life there. For more than 20 years, the Crouches have cultivated a garden full of uh, plants native to the mid-Atlantic that attract wildlife, including the endangered monarchs and other pollinators. Many species of caterpillar exclusively eat milkweed leaves, and butterflies consume nectar from natives, including wild bergamots, yarrows, and joe pieweed. The Crouches are part of a growing movement of homeowners who are forsaking traditional turf grass yards in favor of native plants. Once... Uh, Derisively viewed as weeds deserving a human domination, native plants are now all the rage in gardening circles. Nurseries are stocking up on natives to meet demand, and a new generation of landscapers touts uh, expertise in native plant design. Plants and animals evolved, evolved over millions of years to, to survive in cooperation with one another. Replacing natives with foreign exotics such as turf grass or invasive vines can disrupt that delicate ecological balance, says Douglas Tallamy, a professor of entomology and wildlife ecology at the University of Delaware. At a time of anxiety over the effects of climate change and the mass extinction of wildlife, ecologists say that planting natives can provide an opportunity to make a difference. We have to expand beyond lawns, says Tallamy, a native plant advocate and author of Nature's Best Hope, a new approach to conservation that starts in your yard. It's the low-hanging fruit because it's the easiest one to fix and it's the most detrimental. The focus on natives has become alongside growing enthusiasm for gardening nationwide brought on by pandemic protocols that kept people home and looking for outdoor activities during the pandemic. There has been an explosion in interest in gardening since COVID, says Amanda Bennett, vice president of horticulture and collections at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Over the years, we've really become more mindful of our impact on the world. Uh, in that has come the conversation of why we need natives. Bennett says visitors increasingly come to the garden to see its collection of native plants, and they arrive with an awareness of natives. It's unprecedented, unprecedented, she added. It would not have happened 20 years ago. When the Crouches oh, man, when the Crouches brought their home in 1999, bought their home, a white two-story colonial that backed up to a county park, it came with a yard covered with grass. They did not want their two children to play alongside a space sprayed with uh, pesticides, so they began replacing sections of the yard with rows of natives, such as black-eyed Susans and coneflowers. As they talked with local nursery owners and read online gardening forums, they learned how to how native plants could be a more environmentally friendly alternative to turf grass. Their garden soon came to life, and it wasn't long before it attracted wildlife in search of a haven in the rapidly developing mid-Atlantic. Eastern tiger, swallowtail butterflies flocked there to feast on echinacea flowers, while nectar-hungry hummingbirds found relief in red cardinal flowers. Caterpillars thrived among the milkweeds, munching on their green leaves. A mowed path of grass ran through the methodically tended rows of flowers and shrubs. In the backyard, the family planted deep-rooted native ferns, sedges, and violets that acted as sponges to filter stormwater runoff. Years passed. Their children grew and the garden thrived. The Crouches kept a tally of the butterflies that came every year. Neighbors visited when the yard exploded in color in the spring 
and grew lush in summer. But everything changed one fall afternoon in 2017 when the Crouches received a certified letter from an attorney representing their homeowners association just before Thanksgiving. Their garden, which no longer resembled the trim yards of their neighbors, was out of compliance with standards set by the homeowners association, the letter stated. Frank, I, I'm just reading ahead here. Yeah. I think the next three things were, or maybe the next two things, were captions on pictures. Oh, thank you. Get, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, you got it. Thank you. Okay, cool. Uh, Sorry uh, to interrupt. Say, uh, thank you. I missed those. There were a bunch of those. Yeah, yeah. So, and this, I'm, I'm going to, this is just wetting your appetite. It's going to end shortly uh, after there. It's no secret that Americans love lawns or grassy little fiefdoms are, of turf are, in the words of author Virginia Scott Jenkins, an American obsession. For centuries, we have sustained an enduring and expensive love affair with them. We plant grasses around our homes, parks, and schools. The ones we most adore, fescue, Kentucky blue, rye, are actually foreign species native to Europe or Eurasia, and we can't get enough of them. To keep all that greenery looking neat, we collectively spend about $105 billion a year in landscaping, cutting, and trimming, according to Statista, a market research company. Americans, wrote humorous Dave Barry, would rather live next to a pervert heroin addict, addict communist portnoy <laughs> Americans would rather live to a pervert heroin addict communist pornographer than a person with an unkempt lawn and I, I figured that would be a good place to set because it's it's humorous but it's not that far off no, to some yeah, people I think a lot of people like that there was um something the other day where there was a, a social media personality who was uh, had a video in their backyard by their pool and so many of the comments on the video were just just saying you need to mow your lawn you need to mow your lawn your lawn isn't and it was it wasn't even that bad it was uh it was probably the length that you should mow it but people were just saying no they expected to look like a golf course gotta mow it gotta mow it no and it's i i wanted to at least let you know where the article was going because Mm -hmm. it starts off saying a lot of things that we we praise and tout and and a lot of our listeners already know but it also starts to explain the obstacles in doing this because there are still a lot of people they don't understand. But it's bringing attention to it in a national uh, spotlight, yeah. which I appreciate. And this article has a lot of great points, goes on for a long period. Uh, and if you get a chance, I really recommend reading it. But um, because it's it's that view of, of an ecologist, like you, you see the issues, but not everyone kind of understands. Not everyone mm-hmm. sees the plight. So it's it kind of goes into that a little bit more and, and helps – you as a beginner start that journey yourself uh which i think is important for any any good native plant article yeah definitely and it's uh it's just awesome to hear these success stories that people have um and talk about some of the challenges they overcome and then to add on some some tips on how to to actually do it yourself is always beneficial too it's uh yeah that that joke at the end is just really funny it, it, because it's it is really true i i um, had to stop halfway through cuz i started laughing because i forgot how long the the list of wrong things were yeah and it kind of made me chuckle but it's uh if you get a chance read that two great articles again uh Mm -hmm. on this episode so you have tom's uh the polish institute classifies cats as an alien invasive species and you have my article entitled the rise and beauty of the native plant and i friend i'm already admitting defeat this is my concession speech i know you're gonna win People, I refuse to. We have a group that loves native plants, and I know there's probably the majority of them are are sentimental to cats. 
I have no problem with. Uh, with we'll cats. see. It's just you got to know. You got to know what the cats are doing. This it's, this will be the vote that bucks the trend, and I'll lose twenty to two. <laughs> you never know. I I, I will not uh, will not claim victory until victory is mine. Um, let's see what you want to do. Listener shout outs. We have some listener shout outs. You're a very busy man with this one, so I'm going to give my one quick uh, listener shout-out. So I wanted to say, and if I'm mispronouncing the last name, I apologize, Thomas Heyman, who's actually a customer of ours that had reached out about uh, procuring some plant material. And in the end of the email, just kind of took a quick moment to say how much he enjoys listening mm-hmm. to the podcast and we always appreciate we appreciate all of our listeners but it's it's always a little special when we hear that yeah. it's a customer of ours that mm-hmm. that is enjoying it as well yeah it's especially when it's existing customers when there's people who are are drawn to us because of they listen to the podcast that's always fun too yeah because it's just it shows that this is working and increasing this whole this whole circle circle especially our direct circle. Yes. So, um, yeah, and you were right. I do have a, a busy, busy list today. Um, I'll start out with our, our winner, who is yeah. GD Sports 98. Um, and they were saying they listen every day, which that's got to get a little tiring. Listen, to, I, wow. I actually have to listen to Fran every day. Um, <laughs> Not on weekends. You I actually so, get a two-day break. I get a two like, day. feel for my wife, who has this seven days a week. She doesn't get a break. Like, yeah, imagine that. You're, you're only there for, what, like, you're spending That's, a couple hours or an hour in the morning, a couple hours in the couple evening. A couple hours can sound, can feel a, like a day. A, what, eight-hour day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we had uh, Lillian A630 uh, was said this is a great alternative because it's frowned upon to read books in the car. Reading, reading books about native plants, <laughs> probably not a safe thing to do while you're driving. No. Um, I have been tempted. <laughs> like, I really want to read this book. I'm taking a five-hour drive, so I can, I can probably sneak in a couple of pages, maybe a chapter or two. Um, we had Elizabeth from CT. Uh, was is become an enthusiastic native plant proponent. Um, and credits the podcast for, for giving her some confidence in I, those conversations. I love hearing that. So, That's awesome. Uh, plant Rick has visited a lot of the plant places. Trick or plant Rick? Plant Rick. Which, uh, how would you pronounce that? I said, Oh, I did pronounce it Plant Rick. All right. Okay. So, but it could be Plant Trick. Plant Trick. Uh, yeah. One, All plant right. Trick, Plant Rick has Either visited or. multiple places name. that we featured on the podcast, which is awesome. That's That was our first goal was to connect people who couldn't buy plants from us to places where they could at least visit and get some inspiration. Maybe you go to Bowman's Hill, maybe you can buy some plants, or, or they and, can connect you with the right people in your area. And I love that it was multiple places, not yep. just one. Yep. And then uh, then another review that was updated was Steve uh, NJ to MN, who wrote about how, how much he enjoyed it before, uh, said he likes when we talk about native plants more than when we get off topic, which I'm factoring into our, our vote on the wind yeah. farms. And oh, I agree. True. There's times I'm like, we haven't talked about plants all over. I wonder when we're going to hear that we haven't talked we've, about plants. We've had where we've done like four episodes and say, maybe the yeah. next guest we really need to bring it yes. back. And we try and find that balance. More. So, because it is important to expand the topics in a broader sense, but we want to actually get into the, the plants as well. That's that's our roots yeah. to I, be, I, to have a pun. Yeah. And, I, so. and I think if we only spoke about native plants, we wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. 119 episodes yeah. so there's got to be a good balance there. yeah and then uh there was i got a a message yesterday all right from our friend kyle liebarger at the native oh. plant uh project or native okay. habitat project yes and 
he sent me a picture. He's in a prescribed burn class down in Alabama right mm-hmm. now. And send me a picture. There's a person from the class wearing one of our T-shirts. Oh, and that's he's like, awesome. Oh, there's one. So I'm like, it's honestly, it's probably credit to him. Yeah. He, we, we gave our first amount to him, and he promoted he really it for promoted. a couple of days. So it's probably, I would assume, someone that found our T-shirts through him. But um, but it's so cool. So if you are the listener in Alabama who's in a, a, a prescribed burn class, I think the class might end today. And I was going to say, which is Thursday. If it ends tomorrow on Friday, turn around because you have the guy from Native Plant Talk right in the back of the classroom. <laughs> He's you, way more popular. Yeah, you than have us. a superstar in the class with you. Yeah. Which shirt? Which shirt did they have on? It was a green one, and I don't. I think it was is probably the one that says Plant Native Plants. All right, because it had the just our logo on the back. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You have Kyle Liebarger in your yeah. class. Get a selfie. Yep. Wearing our shirt. That would be awesome. Yeah. And I guess he was he put a Facebook post up today how he's been in this class last day, so he's been really behind on answering some of the, the Instagram messages and TikTok comments and Facebook comments and all that because he tries to touch them all. The same way we yeah. try and yeah. touch as much as we can. Um and uh which made me feel even more honored that I got a I got a Facebook message yeah. unsolicited. I didn't even have to request wow. it. That's awesome. So, now Kyle's doing awesome like awesome work and uh like I said, the the fact that someone's wearing our T-shirt down in Alabama is probably because of him and not oh, because of us. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm giving him credit for yeah. it. So, uh, fantastic. Keep the five – even though the contest is over, I will say this. It doesn't mean it's our last contest. I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going to have other oh, contests. Yeah. You didn't win the plants this time. I'm sure there's going to be another opportunity. As mm-hmm. long as you have the five-star review in there with something written, you're – you have the opportunity to win a future contest. And I say it at the end of every episode, that is the main driver. Um, it's it's new subscribers and it's uh, five-star reviews are the main driver for where people can find our podcast. If we show up on uh, on the list of suggested podcasts when they go into their, their yeah. Apple Podcast app, that's what moves us up that chart and people will stop. Well, if we're on that first screen and they don't have to scroll – Makes it a lot easier to find yeah, us. So exactly. that's how to do it. You're going to get more people interested in native plants when you do it. Um, and it becomes a little, you know, the funny thing is we're we're cla- on on Apple. We're classified as nature, a nature mm-hmm. podcast. There's a lot of different science. Like a lot of our competition yeah. are in other categories because the I, nature not competition though. They're no, they're, you're right. We're comp- I, yes, I get it. We're competing for, for listens because you can only listen to so but many they're things. they're part of our day. community. Well, in our community. In our that's community. a good way to put it. Um the funny thing is because nature isn't as a competitive category, other large podcasts that maybe are fourth or fifth in their category switch to nature. So you have to scroll through 10 Sasquatch podcasts <laughs> yeah. to get to the first. <laughs> I always laugh at how many Sasquatch podcasts there are. It's uh, It must be – you know what? Listen, it must be a really popular top. Like how many – I would love to know how many of our listeners listen to Sasquatch podcasts yeah. and how many different ones they Brand, listen to. I think that's our our ticket to moving up the charts is we have to have a Sasquatch episode about <laughs> how, what native plants Sasquatch <laughs> needs to what he uses for for his his habitat, what he needs for his shelter, what he's going to eat. Which native plants what, he uses to uh, you know go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, he in, probably listened to our paper. episode with a from with our <laughs> list back in it, that was like episode yeah. Three, I yeah. think, or you know, but it's just it it helps, and any little bit, every five star review helps push us a little bit closer to the top. Obviously, your listens matter, but there's some weird, uh, yeah. It, the you know. main drivers are five star reviews, 
And well, it's really new subscribers. Yeah. Five star reviews drive new subscribers. So the more five star reviews we have, the more like new more new people are going to see it. So you then get new subscribers, and that makes it go even higher. So um, yeah, it's uh, people. It's, people at Apple are smart. They want to show people what other people like. Um, so if you're looking at nature podcasts, they want to show them the ones that are really popular first yeah. because that's the one that those people are probably going to like too. So. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So you're you're helping yourself by building this community. You're not you're helping the native plants. You're helping ecology. You're helping connect habitats, um, and then you're helping us too. Yes. And we appreciate that. I appreciate. It. So we uh, we got a call. It's not really a question per se, but we always say if you have a question or a comment, you can call. So I, I think that's what this person did. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? So I think that was leading enough for this. I'm just going to play it. All right. Hi, uh, Pam and, and Thomas, uh, Mr. English Muffin. It's your friend, Saul. I have to be quiet. I'm, I'm backstage uh, at a rehearsal, of course, for... Uh, Roadhouse, uh, the musical, which I have mentioned before, that I'm an understudy on. But what I thought we would do, because I've seen a lot of comments from your viewers that they would like to hear a little bit about this, I've grabbed the sheet music that Dalton sings. And even though I'm not his understudy, I thought we'd all enjoy it if I went into a rehearsal room and I sang a little bit, uh, this is Dalton when he's addressing the new crew. So let, let me carefully, if I can, uh, open this door. It's god awful loud, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry about that, fellas. Okay, I'm ready now. And um, this is again, Saul, your friend, uh, singing Dalton's part from uh, from Roadhouse, the musical. Okay, there we go. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. Never underestimate your opponent. Always expect the unexpected. Number two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And number three, be nice. Okay, fellas, I, I hope your viewers enjoy that. Uh, Pam, uh, congratulations on your wedding. I, I know uh, you had meant to invite me, uh, but undoubtedly uh, in the COVID, the mailman lost the address. So uh, I will be sending you a suitable gift. And uh, Thomas, uh, God bless you for the work you're doing. Goodbye. I'm Saul, uh, gardening in New Jersey. I thought somewhere in there there would be a, a plant question. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it was just <laughs> Saul. So, yeah, I I apologize. We must have that the mailman had to have misplaced your invitation to the wedding. I'm sure. Uh, obviously, you were invited, and I apologize that you didn't get the invitation. We were wondering where you were at at the wedding. Yeah. So, but uh... <laughs> I wonder when the when the show starts because it might if it's. If it's a might coincide with the new amazing show reboot. you do. Well, I was going to even say you'd go to our our live show in North Bergen. Mm-hmm. You hop on one of the buses or you hop on the path and and head across the river into New York City and 
find wherever his off-Broadway theater is and <laughs> watch a little Roadhouse the Musical. <laughs> All right. Oh, we have uh, – <laughs> is – is the topic you're going <laughs> to... A little aside. So I said I did a moth night with Blaine Rothhouse, <laughs> who's in the business, but also listens to all the podcasts. And he said, he was telling me his favorite part of every episode is when we go and do the articles. And he's told me in the past that he's like, why do you play that crazy man's voicemails all the time? He's like, it's, that's like his least favorite part. So there you go, back to back. And I know he's going to love my article because we've talked about that a little bit. But, um, yeah, he's uh, – I Native Plants Healthy Planet gives and then it takes away. <laughs> Sorry about that, Blake. So is is your topic a grow-read-a-book? Um. Or is that yes? My I okay. it just ended up in the topic area. All right, the topic I just, was not the yeah. I'm right. doing a grow read a book. It just got put in the wrong place. Grow read a book. I like books. All right, what do you got this week? Yeah, so I listened to the book. Uh, it was called The Tree Line: The Last Forest and the Future of Life on Earth, and it was by Ben Rollins, um, who I think is a British author. Uh, I, it's one of those was things. It written like, it's in an a, audio book. Was it written in a British accent? It was written <laughs> in a British accent. Um, but uh, I had I didn't look into where he's actually from. But the the narrator was uh, was definitely had a British accent. Okay. So, um, and I was thinking about how best to summarize it, and then I was like, oh, you know, what? let me go on Goodreads and see um, see what. They said about it, and I'm like, oh, they actually really do a good job of, of summarizing what this book's about. So I'll read their summary, and then I'm going to give some of my thoughts on it, because I thought it was a pretty impactful book. So, uh, for the last 50 years, the trees of the boreal forest have been moving north. Ben Rollins' The Tree Line takes us along this critical frontier of our warming planet from Norway to Siberia, Alaska to Greenland, to meet scientists, residents, and tree, uh, tree confronting huge trees confronting huge geological changes. Only the hardest species survive at these latitudes, including the ice-loving uh, Darhurian larch uh, of Siberia, the antiseptic spruce that purifies our atmosphere, the downy birch conquering Scandinavia, the healing balsam poplar that Native Americans use as a cure-all, and the noble Scots pine that lives longer when surrounded by its family. It is a journey of wonder and awe and incredible creativity and resilience of these species and the mysterious workings of the forest upon which we rely for the air we breathe. Blending reportage with the latest science, the tree line is a story of what might soon be the last forest left and what that means for the future of all life on Earth. And, um, yeah, it was just a really fascinating book. Like, I, I tend to like more scientific books um, that have a little bit of story to them. I don't want all science. I want a little yeah. bit of story in it. And um, then books that are a, a story and then misrepresent the science, as I've talked poorly about other books on here before. Um, and this was like just the perfect balance where it was really, really scientific. But he's traveling across, uh, really across the northern hemisphere. Um, and th- it's a pretty modern book. It was written over the course of the pandemic. Okay. I think he started his research in 2019 and had plans to do a lot of this stuff in the summer of 2020, and some of that got derailed because he couldn't actually get there uh, due to COVID. Um, so I don't know exactly when it was released, but a lot of it was that we're losing some really critical habitat due to global warming. And because of that, it's actually impacting global warming even faster. When we think of global warming, we think of like the ice caps are melting or the glaciers are melting. And 
maybe even a bigger impact of that is that we're we're losing. Um, I guess it's our taiga, or it's our, t- our tundra too, mm-hmm. where you have this permafrost, and the permafrost is then melting and thawing out, and it's releasing so much carbon in the atmosphere, which then just amplifies the rate gotcha. of of um, of global warming. So it's really really fascinating reading about that, and there's those are really important habitats. Well, they seem devoid; they almost seem like desert like in a way because. There's no trees. It's that's why it's called the tree line. You get to a point where it's just too cold for trees to survive. Um, as things are warming up, the trees are encroaching on that habitat. But it's important migration habitat for caribou, and then caribou have cultural significance because there's uh, Scandinavian tribes that would basically, for for huge parts of the year, would go and herd the caribou because that was how they made a living and what they ate and. Um, and now they can't do it because they don't have the habitat, and you're, they're losing away a life and losing languages. And so you have that aspect of the story that goes along with it. We're not just losing the habitat scientifically. We're, we're losing a part of our humanity that we're never going to be able to replace because there's no habitat to let it function anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's just really, really uh, fascinating. It was like it's scientific. It was a good balance for me, at least, of having like a – Everything that was scientifically backed. It was like sound, scientifically sound. It's scientifically sound, but it told a really good story. I, just, I wouldn't even say story, but like vignettes, I Na- guess. Or narrative. Or... It was just had little snippets of each individual and how their, their lives were changing. Um, due to, And a lot of it was saying, oh, it's the balance of the progress of mankind or our, our ecosystem. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, why should... It takes a really, really, I don't even say strong morals. It, you, and some people would say you're, you would be really stupid to not develop something for because financial gain because it's going to help your family. It's going to help you and your family so directly. And even your community, it'll help so directly. But you're passing that ecological um, negative, I guess. Either to someone else, or even sometimes to yourself, you're like you're causing these problems to hit you, and it's not something money can get you out of. So it's really interesting to hear all that and how it's happening, not just in North America and not just in Europe, but all across the northern hemisphere in Siberia and in all these countries where you hit that area, you're seeing these large cultural changes in addition to ecosystem changes, uh, and they happen pretty rapidly. So uh, Goodreads is a, a website I go on a lot. They had it with community rated a 4.3, which is pretty high. That's pretty good. Um, and so many of the comments said it must be required reading. And they all said it for different reasons. They're like, oh, it's so – the science science behind this book is so good. It should be required reading for, like, earth science classes. And then other people are like, oh, the, the story is so good and, like, this – environmental part of it is so good they should make this required reading for like an eighth grade english class yeah. and i'm like is it? it just hit on so many notes for me so that's a book if you can get your hands on it. i got it through my libby app um and got an audio book and uh if you can get your hands on it i would recommend listening to that one because it's just it's it's pretty moving and it sounds like something i would like i wasn't even aware of this book but this sounds like something i wasn't I would either read. it's every once in a while because on my libby app they're always updating what books are on there yeah. and uh, they get new stuff in all the time, so I'll go in and I'll search plants and I'll search nature and see what comes up. And 
Um, this was one that came up, and I'm like, oh, I haven't heard of that, but I'll add it, and eh, if I get a chance to listen to it, I'll listen to it. And I ran out of things to listen to it, threw it on while I was doing some work, and I'm like, oh, this is actually really good. And, awesome. Awesome. Uh, pretty quick read, too. I don't think it was okay. very long. All right. So, I, I would like that. Yeah. Um, take it or leave it. I came up with a new one this, yeah, this week. Yeah, I like this one. So, and there's a reason that it, it made me think of it. So the ticket or leaf it for this episode is landscape lighting. Um, and there, there's something to be said when you walk by a house where it has very well done landscape lighting. Mm-hmm. If you've ever gone by, like it's nighttime and they'll have like a river birch in the front yard and it's limbed up and it's it's lit elegantly going up into the tree. Mm-hmm. But the landscape lighting has become so much easier now that they're solar uh, or small yeah, battery yeah. powered, like it's easy to put a, a solar light on each fence post, a, each post of your patio on every step I've seen. I, I mm-hmm. also went by a house where they had like two lights on every step and one on every post and the entire yard was lit up all night. And I'm, I might have a neighbor that leaves the hanging ball lights on 24 mm-hmm. hours a day. Um so I know it has a benefit as far as to the look of your home and the protection of your family, uh, having having it lit so you can see. But it's also very detrimental. You've you've had many articles oh, yeah. about what it does to insects um, and mm-hmm. how it affects insect numbers and and just their their cycle. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, it's a tricky one. I, we have. We don't have any landscape lighting, but we do have a light that's on the utility pole that's over our, our parking area behind our, our driveway, uh, or where our driveway runs into. And um, and it's something that with the power company, I can choose to have it off or on. And I said, yeah, no, when I they first came in, I'm like, yeah, yeah, put it on. It's no big deal. And then as I kept reading a lot of articles, I'm like, uh, yeah, we really should turn that off. But there's, it serves a purpose. It's nice to have the light out there if we're going out to your car, especially in the winter when you're getting home late. It's it's on a solar timer. Okay. So it's uh so it only comes on when it gets dark enough to come on. It's not just like it's on all the time. Even on a cloudy day, it won't come on. It, it's got to be pretty dark for it to come on. Yeah. Um. So. And then yeah, I was kind of convinced. I'm like, you know what? We're paying for it. So it's it's you have the monetary effect and then the ecological effect. Let's just turn it off. We don't. Do we really need it? No, not really. Um, and then there was a bunch of bunch of uh, break-ins in cars, <laughs> like literally like, right yeah, after. Yeah, I should probably leave this on because, like, literally right after, I kind of took a year to convince myself. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we should turn it off. And then all these these break-ins where people were coming in the middle of the night and breaking in the cars. I'm like, this is probably a pretty good deterrent. Yeah, I'm, to not I mean, have that sec- happen. Security is a valid reason. We yeah. we have a street light that's just to the right of our driveway, mm-hmm. like. You you have to have um, night like room blackening curtains, yeah, because it's it shines in the two bedrooms that mm-hmm. face that. Like if you have your curtains open or, or sheer curtains, I mean mm-hmm. it it lights your whole whole room because yeah. it's a second story. It's closer to the light. It's mm-hmm. you know, but people park under that light to make sure yeah. you know their cars are safe. Yeah. Like I I understand those aspects, but. We have – I'm thinking about landscape building. We do have two solar lights that are on, like, eight-foot-tall posts that are at the back of our garden. And they, the ones that were there when we moved in didn't work, so we replaced them and got new ones. And um, 
and yeah, I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool aesthetic. And then, it, like, same thing. As I read more about it, I'm like, yeah, do we really need it? And I'm like, those probably aren't making that much of an impact. I'm basically, like, greenwashing mm-hmm. myself yeah. by, by doing that. And, uh, yeah, I think it's beneficial if you can have – so we when we're outside, when we have dinner outside, especially over summer, we're having dinner outside, we aren't eating near those lights. So they really aren't serving any purpose other than to look at them. And then, okay, we go in, it's 9 o'clock, we go inside. From 9 to to 5 in the morning or 6 in the morning, whenever the sun comes up, they're just on, and there's an impact there. Now, I think they're not very bright, so I don't think when I've been around they attract many insects, but they do attract insects. So, yeah, it's uh, there's definitely a lot of negative effects with it. But then you can always look at it this way, where you're like, well, if I turn my two off, all my neighbors still have theirs on, so why does it really matter? Um, but and, it's got to start someplace. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't remember if I had actually talked about it on the podcast, but in, in the, the top of the back of our house, we had a security light, this bright yellow security light. And I don't even know how this is possible. There's no light switch. It's not solar powered. It was on 24 seven hmm. and had been for 14 years without going out. Yeah. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. No light. So we couldn't turn it off. Mm-hmm. It was on. And we finally had someone disconnect it. Yeah. And it's amazing. First of all, just the difference in the stars when you yeah. go oh, out yeah. back. Yeah. But we did see a difference in the amount of insects that we typically encounter at night and the bird activity because of the amount of yeah. insects. So I think it's paying. And it wasn't a light that we needed or necessarily wanted, mm-hmm. but went on for 14 years. <laughs> so it's, it's just kind of crazy. Like as we got rid of it, we're thankful we got rid of it. And it makes you – realize some of the other lights that maybe aren't necessary i'm sure Mm. there's some necessary ones but there's also some people getting crazy with the amount of lights that are out there i i don't have a like a firm take it or leave it i i partially want to leave it but i understand that some is necessary yeah i think some is necessary but i yeah i always i always think it's a little funny how when people have like the lights shining on their house and (laughs) it's like People don't need to see your house at night. They don't no. care. No. <laughs> they don't care what your house looks like at night. No one's even driving down your little cul-de-sac to see your house. <laughs> why, why do you care so much about having the lights on your house? But, uh, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things I think just people, and it starts with, with us. Yes. We just need to be more cognizant of, yeah, we have these lights on. Are we actually using them? Like, is it worthwhile? Or are they just on? Yeah. And um, and if they're just on, yeah, think about turning them off. Even, even if it's, like, I'm thinking – Okay, yeah, we we do eat outside by our pool during the summer, so it's it's if we're walking around, it's nice to have them on, but we're not out there in November, so no. why am I now? It's not affecting as many insects then, but it is in April when the yeah. pool's not open, and even early May. So let's turn them off, and then when we start going out for the summer again, yeah, you can turn them back on. And I think I think what will happen is we won't actually turn them back on because we'll forget. It'll just be like, <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't even notice that they weren't on. So. So just be cognizant of of those choices and that you have choices. Um, I understand the the pros and cons of it, but if you can conserve some energy and help some insects, mm-hmm. um, and you could do a little bit less or, or run, have them run a little bit less, yeah. it and would it'll be, save you money, especially yeah. if you have something that's on all day because that's just adding to your your peak charges, which I had explained to me by someone from PSE and G. As it's not, I thought it, there was like peak times, like, oh, if I try and fire something up at noon, it's going to cost me more than if I do it yeah. at, at midnight. Um, and that's not actually how it works. It's kind of how it works, but not really. It's, they, basically they measure 
Russ Fernari, call in and tell me if I'm saying this wrong because I might. <laughs> but how it was explained to me from a guy from PSCNG is say you have it's this time of year you have your air conditioner on, you have every single light in the house on, uh, and then now all of a sudden you plug in your blow dryer and start running that too, and your dishwasher's running, your fridge is running. They measure how much it electricity you're using at your peak, at peak. the most you're using it, and that's what they charge you for, regardless whether you're using that much or not. So the next day you might have all you might be on vacation, nothing's on, or the fridge is running, that's it. But you're getting charged for what you use the day before every other day of the month because they never know when you're going to turn it all on again. Yeah. So they get, they have to make sure they have the supply and the capacity to get it to you in case you do turn everything on again. So um, maybe I was just dumb and didn't understand <laughs> understand <laughs> that for a long time. But that makes sense. But, that, that, yeah. that makes sense to me, and I'm sure that's yep. – it, that's how it's working. Yeah, that, so. that makes complete but sense. But, yeah, so they, I was, he said – I was explaining – I was saying, oh, yeah, I only plug this in at night, so I avoid, like, the peak charges. He's like, oh, no, that's not how that works. And then he But if you're not running it all at like once, if you, if you only do it at Which, night, then you're actually helping you yourself. You are helping because your peak is going to be lower. Think of it if you were – like, if you actually drew out on a chart how much electricity you're using at every single hour of the day, where your peak would be. Well, if you don't charge your phone at noon and you charge it overnight – which has its own issues too, but you, you're lowering that peak by a little bit. So oh, I I know there's days where there's a TV on, yeah. there's two computers on, the di- or the uh, dishwasher's running, the washing machine's running mm-hmm. all at once. Like yep. we can fix that. Yeah, <laughs> that's fixable. So yeah, once you're cognizant of it, you start finding out. It's like, oh yeah, I I was gonna run the dishwasher now, but the air conditioning's on, and uh, like we're watching TV in the other room. So why don't I run it right before we go to sleep? Yeah. When all that other stuff's off, and maybe we'll make that peak go up. And I like Maybe it. we're doing it. <laughs> that's not right, but that's what <laughs> we're doing now. So that's going to wrap us up for this week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet, presented by Pondos Nursery. RJ Comer, thank you for our Buzz theme music. Uh, you know, we always say make sure you buy or stream RJ's music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume your music. Make sure you head over to Pandora. Uh, and check out one of his uh, curated playlists. They're fantastic. If you like Americana, they're fantastic playlists. Make sure you head over there uh, and and check those out. I, I subscribe to a few. They're they're great. Uh, great if you're working in the garden. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet. And you can also check us out at YouTube. Uh, on YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, don't forget about the question and comment line, much like Saul. Uh, you can call us at 215-346-6189. You can ask a question or leave a comment. We'll play it on a future episode of The Buzz. We'll answer it to the best of our ability. If not, we'll find someone that can. And uh, thank you to everyone who's joined the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. Make sure you look to uh, vote for this or that this week. And uh, look for the poll to see if you would like us to do an episode on nuclear or wind energy. Yeah, so you can buy uh, Native Plants Healthy Planet merch directly at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Um, there's a little tab at the top, or, uh, what's it called, a banner at the top. Yep. You click that, it'll take you to a Teespring store, and then whatever shirts you buy, you buy yourself a phone case, which I'm going to need a new one soon, so I'm probably going to buy one of those. Uh, not only will it get shipped directly to your house, but the money that is then deposited into our account we take all the profits 
and uh, basically everything that's deposited in our account, and we're going to give it to organizations we feel are doing really, really good work in the native plant ecology sphere. So uh, we've given it to three really deserving mm-hmm. groups so far and looking for our fourth uh, soon. The more shirts you buy, the faster we'll reach that goal yeah. and be able to give away some more money. Um, you can also listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com, uh, but you're probably going to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcast. You can even ask Alexa to play the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. Um, if at all possible, when you're there, I asked you earlier, I'll ask you again, if you leave a five-star review, it goes a long way into promoting the message of Native Plants and getting it into more people's ears. Uh, hopefully it's already in their eyes, but if we can be in their ears too, it's just going to get people on this train a little bit faster. So, and if you leave a little write-up with that five-star review, or if you had a five-star review already and now you add a little write-up, uh, I'm going to give you a shout out on the buzz. So awesome. And secret. I know. I, in the, I have cat it. Tail in the box. You it's have in this. the box and, uh, with the arrows pointing to it that say <laughs> secret. And, um, so remember when we had our custom appreciation dinner a few years ago and, Tony Leonardo, Dr. Yes. Tony Leonardo from O'Brien Gear spoke about the Onondaga Lake project. Yes. Yeah. And he talked about how they brought in all this. Uh, they basically amended the soil so they'd have uh, really optimal growing conditions for plants, planted all their plants in there that they got from Pinewoods Nursery, good for us, and nothing but cattails came in. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. then they went back and uh, and they didn't adjust the soil the next time. They didn't they left it kind of nutrient poor and you think, Oh, nothing's really going to grow in this. The native plants did great. Not that there's anything wrong with cattails, but the diversity of native plants that they really wanted did great. Well, that presentation was really, really good. Um, but there was one guy in the audience who said, why are you bashing cattails so much? <laughs> and, uh, and my wife asked me on the way home, she's like, who's that guy who was so loud in there? It was really, really loud at the well, presentation. Let, let me let me guess. <laughs> yeah. Can I guess? Are you yes, going to say you, that? No, you can guess who it is. Don Smith. It was Don, Don <laughs> Smith, and he's like, he really loves cattails, doesn't he? <laughs> I like, yeah, I guess so. But Don Smith is one of the probably the best ecologists yeah. I've ever met. He does he's a lot of work up in the Meadowlands. Amazing naturalist. He's He loves the land, loves the Meadowlands for sure. Um, and he had a really good point. And Tony wasn't bashing cattails. No. But maybe I see Don's point that, yeah, you're acting like cattails are the worst thing in the world, and they aren't. I don't think Tony actually was, but no, he had he a good was, point that, hey, cattails have a benefit, too. They, they provide a lot of habitat. I forgot all about that. That's yeah. pretty funny, yeah. though. <laughs> so. but, <laughs> but Don is a great environmentalist and does and has done a lot of great work, he but has, you'll hear him from a he mile away. He has a away. booming voice, and he's, he's a fun guy to be around as long as – you're not the target of, <laughs> of what he's talking about. So, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yep. So with that, I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Coming up next week, we actually have Johnny Kiespe from the Nature Conservancy Cities. Uh, cities program. Per, yeah. Cities program. And we're, uh, we've actually recorded that already. So we're and really excited about that. Yeah, yeah he a, was a fantastic guest. Yeah. So You got to stay tuned for his, his native plan at the end because that was an awesome story. Oh, that was a fantastic story. So make sure you tune in next week for that. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.